Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like... What the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Something to note, all myths have many versions and variations. For this episode, we've selected those we felt are the most dramatic and entertaining and supplemented them with additional research into Nyanga traditions. Our myths may not always be the version you're familiar with, but we hope you'll enjoy them. Long ago in the village of Tubondo, Chief Shemwindo married seven maidens. He was a bold and boisterous leader, and his wedding was suitably over the top. Shemwindo's subjects danced and laughed all night, fueled by tasty servings of roasted goat and generous pours of banana beer. At the height of the festivities, Shemwindo called for silence so he could address his brides. May all of Tubando raise a toast to my seven beauties. Each of you has been chosen for your grace and fertility, and I can't wait to see the wonderful family we'll create together. <laughs> I must confess, my heart longs for seven precious daughters and seven bountiful dowries. So if any wife of mine bears a son, I'll kill the boy myself. Shemwindo's seven wives trembled in fear. They each swore to themselves that they wouldn't be the one to disappoint their chief. But one of those wives would bear a son a son who would live a life of thrilling adventure and change the balance of power into Bondo forever. Welcome to Mythology, a ParCast original. Every Tuesday, we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. You can find all episodes of Mythology and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Mythology for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Mythology in the search bar. Today, we're delving into the Mwindo epic a funny, unpredictable father-son tale beloved by the Nyanga people in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Mwindo is a pint-sized warrior with a god's bravado, and this week we'll get to know him as he evades his father's unhinged murder attempts. Next week we'll follow an older, wiser Mwindo as he ventures into the underworld and learns how to be a very different kind of hero. Thank you. 
The Nyanga people are a Bantu-speaking subculture in the Democratic Republic of Congo, and the Mawindo epic is their most hallowed folktale. Because it exists mostly in oral form, many different variations of it exist, and the tale changes with the teller. Though it features important Nyanga gods, the epic isn't exactly a sacred story. It's more of a rowdy morality play, best enjoyed around a fire, with food, drink, music, and laughter. The story is told by a bard who carries bells and a rattle to musically accentuate the twists and turns. Young bards in training surround him, beating drums and echoing his phrases. The bard might even stop at a crucial cliffhanger to ask the audience to fetch him a snack. Despite the fun of the performance, the tale is important to the Nyanga because it teaches their culture's core values. Muindo's story is that of a boy who learns how to be a good man, and a man who learns how to be a good ruler. But before we meet Muindo, we have to meet his father, a prime example of a bad ruler. Shemwindo reigned over Tubondo, a beautiful riverside village in the state of Ahimbi. It was blessed with rolling hills, raffia palms, and a hardy banana crop, and cursed with an unhinged leader. Shemwindo shocked his citizens when he declared that his seven brides would only bear daughters or else. There was a method to his madness. Long ago, Shemwindo's wise and beautiful sister, Iengura caught the attention of Mukiti, master of the unfathomable. He was a snake god who lived at the far end of the river that flowed by Tubondo. Mukiti slithered into town to ask for Iengura's hand, and Shemwindo forced her to meet him. To her own surprise, Iengura found herself attracted to Mukiti. He was a fearsome snake. But under the slime, he had a certain seductive charm. It was tradition for grooms to pay their wife's family a bride price, or dowry. In exchange for Iangura, Mukiti showered Shemwindo with gold and goats. After Shemwindo bid his beloved sister farewell, he reflected on his own future. If he had sons, he'd have to sacrifice his wealth to pay their dowries. But if he only had daughters, marrying them off would make him rich beyond his wildest dreams. Shemwindo's greed got the best of him, and his wives paid the price. Shemwindo married some of them out of love, some out of lust, and some for political ties. He wasn't shy about showing his preference. His favorite was sweet Niamwindo, so he gave her a spacious hut near his home. Five more wives got charming huts in the verdant clearing at Tubondo's center. His seventh and least favorite wife was sent to live by the village garbage heap. After the wedding, Shemwindo spent a vigorous night touring the huts to make love to his wives. He reminded each one, no sons, only daughters. None of them could protest, but if there was anyone who could break down his defenses, it was his favorite wife, Nyamwindo. Shimwindo, why do you only want daughters? It can't just be about dowries. There's something else going on here. Are you questioning your chief's edicts? <laughs> no, just trying to understand my husband's worries. 
your impudent Nyamwindo. If you weren't my favorite, I... You'd what? My love, tell me what's wrong. When a son rises, his father falls. I don't much like the idea of impermanence. I'd rule forever if I could. But what if I fail you? What if I have a son? Let's pray that day never comes. Soon, all of Shamewindo's wives were pregnant. Though each worried about having a son, they leaned on each other for support as motherhood approached. They also kept busy. Like the other female villagers, they were responsible for gathering firewood, picking vegetables, and refilling the water supply. They worked steadily as the months passed until it was time to give birth. Each wife was relieved to have a healthy baby girl, especially the least favorite, who hoped the good news would earn her a nicer hut away from the garbage heap. However, Nyamwindo stayed pregnant far longer than the others. Her co-wives whispered behind her back, and Shamewindo eyed her suspiciously. Nyamwindo feared the worst. Maybe something was wrong with her baby. One morning, she awoke to discover she could barely move. She knew she had to gather food, water, and wood, but every step was exhausting, and every breath was agony. She bravely heaved her body to the door of her hut, where a pile of wood, a jar of water, and a basket of fresh vegetables appeared like magic. Nyamwindo somehow knew her unborn child was behind this miracle. She was thrilled and scared. What exactly was growing inside her? Suddenly, an urgent, primal pain racked Nyamwindo's body. She cried out for her midwives. They rushed to her hut and quickly realized that this was no ordinary birth. Nyamwindo felt her baby move down to her birth canal, then up past her belly to her throat. She gasped, afraid it would come crawling out of her mouth, until it stopped and moved lower. Whatever was inside of her, it sure was indecisive. Nyamwindo sensed the presence move down her arm, and suddenly her hand grew hot as a bright light shone out from it. Nyamwindo watched in wonder and horror as the ball of light flew to the ground and formed into a living figure. She was relieved to see it was human, but what a strange human it was. It was a boy, which was reason enough to panic. He stood on his own two feet, as tall as a toddler, with an impish grin on his face. The most startling thing about him was his voice— for the first thing he did after coming into the world was laugh with the booming baritone of a fully grown man. <laughs> Hello, mother. It is I, your baby boy. Nyamwindo fell into a dead faint, much to her son's confusion. Uh, ladies, I'm new here. Was she supposed to faint like that? Once the midwives revived Nyamwindo, all eyes were back on her son. On his shoulder was a bag with the image of Kahindo, goddess of fortune, and inside it was a liana vine. 
In his hand, he gripped a conga scepter, a staff topped with a hairy buffalo tail that was usually used as a fly swatter. This child's conga, however, glowed with energy. The midwives hesitated. Their duty was to go announce the baby's gender and ask its paternal grandfather to name it. But revealing this boy's presence would be a death sentence. Nyamwindo begged her midwives to stay silent and to just name the baby themselves. They agreed and called him Muindo, a name for boys who were born after a series of girls. Thanks to her midwives' loyalty, Nyamwindo had time to think or perhaps to escape. She didn't see the cricket flutter from its nearby perch and out her door. The insect took wing and flew across the village to report to Chief Shamewindo. Ah, my little spy. Tell me, what is the cause of Nyamwindo's silence? A boy? So my favorite wife has betrayed me. I suppose I have no choice but to sharpen my spear. Shamewindo strode into the darkness of his wife's hut. Nyamwindo cowered on the bed, with one arm around Mwindo's belly for protection and her other arm across his mouth for silence. Shamewindo would only get angrier if he heard Mwindo's manly voice. Nyamwindo, though you are now my most despised wife, I'll allow you to escape with your life if you leave the boy for me to deal with. My love, my chief, have mercy. He is your son. A true chief shows no mercy. And this chief has no sons. With all his might, Shamewindo launched the spear at his wife and child and heard a sickening crunch. Satisfied, he looked down and was stunned. Though he had perfect aim, his spear had somehow missed them and landed deep in the ground. <laughs> Try again. This game is fun, father. What kind of monster child speaks with the voice of a man? Your son. Now, set your anger aside and come embrace Mwindo. I'd sooner die. Your nature's mistake, and I intend to fix it. Shamewindo threw six more spears at Muindo, but each changed course to strike the ground. An unnerved Shamewindo retreated to his hut to plot his next move. He had to get rid of this unnatural son before he lost his mind. He ordered his strongest laborers to dig a deep grave. Then he burst back into his wife's hut to carry Muindo off. Though Muindo had a man's confidence, he was still quite small. He clawed at Shamewindo's arms, but couldn't escape his father's grip. So he did the next best thing. He complained. Oh, father, is this how you treat your heir? Your pride and joy? Be quiet, you abomination. You may carry me to my doom now, but be warned. The stars have whispered the future to me, and one day, I'll carry you to your doom. Shamewindo didn't know if the boy could see the future, or if he was just trying to scare him, but he didn't care to find out. 
he tossed Moindo in the grave and heaped dirt upon him until the boy was buried alive. Shemwindo returned to his hut and fell into a deep sleep. His chiefdom was secure for now. As the hour grew late, the guards watching the grave noticed something strange. The dirt over Muindo's grave began to glow with intense heat, like there was sunlight streaming up from underground. The scared guards backed away to watch from a distance, and soon they all fell asleep. In the dead of night, the dirt above the grave shifted, and Muindo emerged alive. He scampered back to his mother's hut and cried out for food. In his hut, Shamewindo awoke with a start. The distant cry he heard sounded like his cursed offspring. But he was dead and buried, wasn't he? Shamewindo snuck out to creep across the village. By now, the cries had gone silent, and the only sounds were the chirp of crickets and the wind ruffling the raffia palms. Shamewindo stalked to the entrance of Nyamwindo's hut. Inside, his wife slept on the ground, and in her arms was Muindo, fast asleep. Shamewindo couldn't believe his eyes. He stepped back in alarm, crushing a branch under his foot. Nyamwindo awoke to see her husband leering at them in the doorway. Her eyes widened with fear. Shamewindo's narrowed with hatred. He walked off without saying a word, but Nyamwindo knew he would come for her son again. The next day, Shamwindo's men felled the thickest tree they could find and skinned the strongest antelope they could kill. Once they'd fashioned a drum from the wood, Shamwindo called for Muindo's capture. The whole village watched as guards carried Muindo to the river's edge, with Nyamwindo rushing behind them, begging for mercy. Her cries went unheard, as Shamwindo shoved Muindo in the drum and stretched the antelope's hide across it to seal it. The skin was so tight it was almost translucent, and everyone could see Muindo struggling inside. Foolish father! You shall not conquer me! I already have. Now, throw him in the pool of stillness! Shamewindo's men heaved the drum into a part of the river where the current never flowed. The drum sank. Inside, Muindo sulked. Why did his father want him dead? Was there anyone who would come to his aid? He was so overcome by anger that he almost didn't see his conga scepter glow. Suddenly, Muindo heard the distant sounds of a woman's beautiful voice. In an instant, Muindo knew the woman was his father's sister, Iyengura. Though he'd never met her, he felt certain that she was the only one who would help him. A newly hopeful Muindo beat against the antelope skin and chanted along to the rhythm. Paimon Window, small but strong, fighting Shem Window all day long. He will not believe his eyes. When he falls, I will rise. Muindo's drum rose up, broke the surface of the pool, and floated downstream. Farewell, father, cruelest father, hear my parting taunt. I'll be back and I'll attack with help from my aunt. 
And so Muindo set off on his first great adventure to find his aunt, Iangura. To do that, he would have to journey far down the river, straight into the lair of her husband, the sinister snake god, Mukiti. Next, Muindo floats down the river to meet new friends and foes. Now, back to the story. Chief Shemwindo ruled over the village of Tubondo with irrational authority, and he was convinced that any son he had would steal his throne. It was bad enough when one of his seven wives gave birth to a boy named Muindo, but it got even worse when Shemwindo saw his son with his own eyes. Though Muindo was infant-sized, he walked and talked like a man and was gifted with supernatural powers. He was Shemwindo's worst nightmare, so the chief tried to kill his son twice, to no avail. A fed-up Shemwindo sealed Muindo into a drum and left him to die in a river. As soon as he did this, a terrible storm battered Tubondo for seven days straight. Shemwindo worried he had angered the gods, and he grew even more paranoid when news came that a maiden saw Muindo's drum floating down the river and heard Muindo chanting inside. There was nothing Shemwindo could do now except pray. The boy was gone, the storm would pass, and he would be ready to fight if Muindo returned. Muindo floated in his drum, inching closer to the serpent god Mukiti's territory, where his aunt Iangura lived. He thought he'd move quicker underwater, but below the surface, terrifying enemies attacked him. To ward them off, he waved his conga scepter and let out a booming battle chant. I'm a window, born upright, eager to rule, ready to fight. I'm a window, out of my way. Heed my call or you'll pay. In truth, Muindo's opponents were just crabs and fish going about their day. The only reason they swarmed around his drum was to get a peek of the boy who was taunting them. They laughed to themselves. This tiny terror was kind of adorable. Soon the river narrowed, and gnarled trees blocked the bright sun. Muindo saw a ghost village of dilapidated huts along the shore, and realized the water around him had turned blue-black and eerily still. Muindo was in the realm of the serpent god Mukiti, master of the unfathomable, and he was terrified. I'm a window. I'm not scared. I just want help. Is anybody there? Out of the translucent antelope skin that sealed him in the drum, Muindo saw a dam blocking his way. Lazing atop it was Mukiti's sister, the snake goddess Musoka, guarding the realm's entrance. She fixed her gaze on Muindo and licked her lips with her forked tongue in a manner that was almost seductive. Muindo willed his drum to the shore so he could evade her, but Musoka slithered over to stop him. Thinking fast, Muindo willed his drum into the air so he could pass above her. 
but Musoka uncoiled herself to stand tall, again blocking his way. Muindo gripped his conga scepter and prayed for assistance. His drum shot below the surface, burrowed below Musoka's dam, and emerged on the other side. He looked back at Musoka with a cocky laugh, which was silenced when Musoka let out a fearsome hiss. Muindo felt the noise pass over him and echo down the river like a skipping stone. It was a warning to Mukiti, who would now be expecting him. The sky grew dark and the water got cold as Muindo floated into a massive cave. Though there was an exit on the other side, a rock formation jutted out of the water to block it. On that rock was a massive, coiled snake, Mukiti himself, and he was staring straight at Muindo's drum. Ah, my sister's challenger appears. I'm a window born upright. Free the path or face my wrath. Charming little ditty. Now float closer so I can get a good look at you. <laughs> Musoka must be losing her edge. You're just a boy with chubby little cheeks and tasty little legs. Nobody eats or beats a window, not even my father, the great and terrible Shame Window. Now lead me to my aunt, Iangura. Shame Window, eh? I bet he'd be interested to know his son is pestering his ally. My father may be your ally, but he is my enemy. And if you don't let me go, I'll make a snakeskin cape out of you. Insolent! You Dare challenge Mukiti, master of the unfathomable? Yes, for I am a conqueror. No, you're an appetizer. Mukiti, stop! Silhouetted against the cave's exit was Ian Gura, Shemwindo's sister, Mwindo's aunt, and Mukiti's wife. Years of living in this realm had hardened her beauty and frayed her nerves, but she was still a sight to behold. She raced over to the water. Is it true, child? Are you really my brother's son? Aunt Yangura, help me! Free me from this drum at once! How can I be sure this isn't a trick? Your voice, it's not like a child's. If you don't liberate me, I'll... I'll set myself on fire and boil the river! I'll take you all down with me. Well, you've got my brother's taste for dramatics. Hang on! Iangura rushed to the water and dragged the drum onto the rocks. She pulled a knife from a strap around her arm and slashed open the drum skin. Sunlight and moonlight burst from the drum as Muindo floated onto the rock beside Iangura. She stared at the boy, then hugged him tight. Mukiti cast a dark look at his wife, then plunged back into the depths of his pool. Your husband is very rude. <laughs> so are you, child. But look at you. You look just like your father. Take that back at once. Why are you so tense? What's going on? Is Shimwindo all right? No, and I need your help to fix things. You see, he... Muindo and his aunt turned to see Musoka swimming toward them for revenge. 
The snake goddess was ashamed of failing her brother and wanted to make things right, which was bad news for Muindo. Quick, come with me. We'll go to my hut, just outside the other end of the cave. Yuko! I'll beat this slimy beast back and follow your lead. Fighting her will only serve to enrage my husband further. I command you to go! Muindo raised his scepter, and Iangura was enveloped in a bright light. When it dimmed, she found herself outside the cave, only a few steps away from her hut. A stunned Iangura hurried into her home, which was filled with bright flowers she barely managed to keep alive. They were her refuge from the dark world she now called home. But today, they brought her no peace. Her anxious mind raced with thoughts of her old life in Tubondo, and her brother, and her strange nephew. She let out a yelp of surprise when her bodyguard, Kasiembi, strode in. He was massive, with rippling muscles, hungry eyes, and a long, thick mane of hair. He always kept Iangura safe, but she never quite trusted him, especially not today. Kasiembe, I didn't call for your services. But your husband did. He wants me to see what Mwindo's really made of. I won't let you hurt him. Don't think of it like that, my lady. Think of it as a test. Of what? Of Mwindo's bravery? Yes, and your loyalty. Mwindo trudged out of the water at the cave's other exit, wet and furious. Musoka was tough, and Mwindo would have been eaten if it weren't for a friendly hedgehog who let him use his tunnel to escape through the mud. Up ahead, Mwindo saw a hut that looked a lot like the ones in Tubondo. He knew it was Iangura's, so he rushed in. Iangura stood there with a tall, muscular man. Though Iangura smiled, her eyes were wide with fear. But Muindo was tired, hungry, and supremely selfish, so he ignored it. Hello again. Fetch me some plantain paste, would you? I haven't eaten since, well, since the night I was born. Of course. But first, I... I want you to meet my guardian, Kasiembi. Greetings, Great Muindo. I'd like to welcome you to our realm with one of our time-honored traditions. How quaint. What is it? A feast? A ceremony? I haven't tried banana beer yet, so I hope it involves that and... No, Master Muindo. It's a dance. To the death! Next, Muindo dances for his life and endangers everyone else's. Now, back to the story. After fleeing his father's wrath, Muindo journeyed to the snake god Mukiti's realm. He was there to ask his aunt Iangura for help, but her husband Mukiti didn't take kindly to strange little warriors disturbing the peace. So the snake god sent his henchman Kasiembi to challenge Muindo to a deadly dance contest. Kasiembi and a reluctant Iangura led Muindo out onto the shores of the river. Nearby villagers waited with drums and flutes ready to play. As Kasiembi lit a torch to reveal a series of deep pits dug into the ground. 
If you can dance across the pits to the other side without falling in, then you'll be truly welcome in Mukiti's realm. Go on, it'll be fun. Trust me. You go first. Show me the dance, and I'll dance it twice as well as you. With pleasure. Hit it! Kasiembi launched himself into a strange dance, skipping across the dirt with surprising grace. His fancy footwork took him safely to the other side. As the band applauded, he bowed. Then he gestured to Muindo. Muindo was troubled. He knew his little legs might not be able to leap over the pits as easily. He was likely to fall in one and plunge into the underworld. He shot his aunt a reproachful look, upset that she'd led him into a trap. But Iangura's scared face relaxed for a moment, and she winked at Muindo. Muindo didn't understand what was happening, but he knew he had to dance. And so Muindo did, first haltingly, then joyfully, his tiny body teetering past the pits. He made it halfway across before he stumbled and fell straight into a pit. But Muindo did not fall. Instead, he bounced. He was quite confused until the torchlight flared to illuminate a tightly woven spiderweb that covered the pit. A tiny spider scurried away, giving Muindo a friendly wave with one of its legs. Muindo looked around. From his angle on the ground, he realized that every pit was covered in thin webbing. There was no way he'd fall in. Muindo reared up and clapped with joy as he bounced from pit to pit and dominated the dance floor. He landed on the other side with a booming laugh. Iangura sighed with relief and reminded herself to thank her neighbor, the spider, when all this was over. Meanwhile, Kasiembi was enraged. You think you can outsmart me, boy? Well, the show's over and the joke's on you. I call upon Ankuma, the lightning god. Strike down this aberration. A beam of lightning ripped through the clouds, heading straight from a window. Kasiembi cackled with glee until the sound and fury died down and he realized Muindo was still alive. Instead of incinerating Muindo, the lightning sparked and flitted around him playfully like it was curious about him. <laughs> that tickles. The lightning shot back into the sky. Muindo turned to Kasiembi with vengeance in his eyes. He raised his scepter and Kasiembi's long hair erupted into flames. He screamed a terrible scream, but Muindo just laughed. A horrified Iangura grabbed her water jar in a panic and rushed to put out the fire, but Muindo flicked his conga and the jar went bone dry. Kasiembi yelled out, Help! Villagers! Come to your brother's aid! I beg of you! Nearby villagers ran up with buckets, ready to fill them at the river's edge. Muindo was confused. He thought this was a strange and evil place. Yet the denizens of Mukiti's realm were ready to lay down their lives to help a friend. Muindo wouldn't stand for this. He raised his scepter again, and the river began to boil. 
Soon it had dried up completely, and Kasiembi fell to the ground, his body a burnt husk. Muindo turned to smile at Iangura, but she was at the river's edge, looking down into the dry depths. Laying at the bottom was the boiled and blistered corpse of her husband, Mukiti. Iangura collapsed on the ground and wailed in agony. Muindo strode to her side, unsure of what to do. <laughs> You're better off without them. Now, listen. I need your help. I'll never help you, you wicked child! Oh, calm down. Your husband and guard both tried to kill me. And you're clearly stronger than them. If only you'd show your powers in a less destructive way, they might have backed down. Or even allied with you. Why should I take pity on those weaker than myself? Because the more power you have, the more mercy you must show. I swear I feel like I'm talking to a young Shimwindo. I am not my father! Then have mercy and undo your wrongs, Wendo. Until then, you are only your father's son. Wendo thought long and hard. He was new to this world and realized he didn't quite understand how it worked. Maybe he'd made a mistake. So Wendo raised his conga scepter, and with a quick wave, time itself reversed. Water rained down on the river, filling it in an instant. The rain splashed over Kasiembi's corpse, washing away the ashes until he appeared as good as new. The snake god Mukiti surfaced from the depths as Iangura wept with gratitude. She wasn't the only grateful one. Kasiembi stood from the ground and stumbled over to Muindo. Muindo braced for a fight, but Kasiembi fell to his knees. You are the most incredible person I've ever met. All hail Muindo! All hail Muindo! Uh, thank you? The village rejoiced, and even Mukiti splashed festively in the river. He still thought Muindo was a pest, but he owed him his life. Many thanks. <laughs> you are most welcome, Uncle Mukiti. Don't call me that. After all the mess was over and done with, Muindo and Iangura sat down for a meal of plantain paste and banana beer. The paste was filling and the beer was frothy. And for the first time, Muindo felt like he was part of a family. Eat up, Muindo. I can't thank you enough. And I can't wait to spoil you. Oh, but I suppose I never found out. What is it you came here for? You promise you'll help me? That's what family is for. Good, because I want you to help me kill my father. What? He tried to kill me three times. He deserves it. That's not true. It, it can't be. It is. And it's your duty as a daughter of Tubondo to help me to take him down and claim the village for myself. Window, you're a child. I know my brother is flawed, and maybe he's lost his way, but your heart is tied in a hateful knot, and you need to undo it. Shimwindo is your father, and I won't let family kill family. Then this whole journey was a waste. I'll do it alone. For I am Window, and I am always alone. 
Muindo left the hut and tiptoed across the rocks in Mukiti's cave. He passed his broken drum boat and stopped to stare at it. Inside were two crabs playing together. They turned to look at Muindo, annoyed. Muindo turned away and trudged out of the cave onto the river's shore. He stared out at the inky black night and the shadowy path ahead, the one he would walk alone. He walked a few paces, then heard footsteps behind him. He turned around and gripped his conga scepter tight. The scepter lit up to reveal an anxious Iangura with a satchel on her back. Servants surrounded her, carrying food and water. Muindo broke into a smile. You've reconsidered! Now we can kill my father together, as a family! Never. But with that temper, I know you'll either burn half the forest down or get yourself killed on the way home. Someone's got to keep you on the right path. And when we get to Tubondo? I'll talk some sense into you and your father. Yes, I'm sure all I need is a hug from Daddy Dearest. Hush up and mind your elder boy. Sorry, Auntie. Now then, home to Tubondo we go. And so the unlikely duo set off on the long journey back to their village. Muindo was dead set on killing his father, and Iangura was determined to save the family. Who would prevail was anybody's guess. Thanks again for tuning in to Mythology. We'll be back Tuesday with a new episode. Find out what happens when Muindo chases his father into the underworld, where the two men must put aside their differences to get out alive. For more information on Muindo, amongst the many sources we used, we found The Muindo Epic by Daniel P. Beboik and Kahombo C. Matene to be extremely helpful to our research. You can find more episodes of Mythology and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Mythology, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Mythology on Spotify, just open the app, tap Browse, and type Mythology in the search bar. If you enjoy mythology, you'll love my other podcast, Tales. Tales presents fairy tales the way they were originally told, orally and unadulterated. Traditional fairy tales aren't exactly suitable for children, and every Wednesday we dive into another dark, classic tale. We'll be back next week with another epic story. Mythology was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Michael Langsner, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Isabella Way. This episode of Mythology was written by Amin Osman, with writing assistance by Greg Castro. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Bill Butts, Kai Jordan, and Tiana Camacho. I'm Vanessa Richardson. <laughs>